Welcome to the Ask a Club Fitter podcast. Answering your questions on all things golf equipment and club fitting. Here's your host, hoping to help you play better golf. He's a PGA professional, founder of Tour Fit Golf, and has worked with some of the world's best players. Tom Davies. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing well and enjoyed some of the warm weather over Christmas and played plenty of golf, uh, which is uh, what we're all hoping for. Uh, personally, I've, I've not played much golf. Um, <clears throat> been struggling with a bit of a wrist injury, so I've not managed to get out there, unfortunately, and I'm absolutely itching to get out there and get on the, uh, get on the course play some golf and uh, test some of the some of the equipment which I've had gone into the bag which I've not really uh, I've not really used too much but talking about new equipment <coughs> excuse me it is that time of year where lots of the companies are bringing out new equipment I'm making big statements and uh, th- this is where it gets really exciting uh, for, for me as a fitter uh, and, a, and a PGA Pro, uh, just to explore kind of, you know, what what's on offer, how we can uh, help players get a better ball flight, play better golf, and uh, just see how much of the the marketing information and the claims which uh, are being made, um, you know, re- really work because, you know, you fast forward twelve months time, uh, you know, all the the downsides to the equipment which is actually being released now will start to come to light. You probably wouldn't want to hear many of the manufacturers talking uh, negatively about their uh, about their products until they release new stuff. Um, and you know, it's probably not quite as cutthroat as what I'm making out to be. But you know, kind of when they're trying to sell you this year's product, they're talking about maybe what last year's product didn't do. Um, and it's only twelve months ago, so it, it, it's all it's always interesting for me. Um, I love it when new equipment comes out. There's a lot of equipment uh, which is coming out now, which looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, everybody probably knows that uh, the TaylorMade are bringing their Stealth Ranger Woods out, which has got a carbon face. I'm really hoping to get someone on from TaylorMade to talk about that in a little bit more detail. Fingers crossed, uh, by that time, I would have had the products and tested them myself, and I'll give everybody some real honest feedback in terms of what I think Um I did kind of touch on some of the uh, some of the principles in the last podcast without actually mentioning uh, any of the uh, any of the names, but uh, essentially what they've been able to do is is save weight uh, in the face by replacing the titanium face with a carbon face, and then redistribute that weight uh, into a different spot, which makes it more efficient when you're transferring uh, energy from one object to another. Now, uh, there is there is definitely uh, merit in that, and I definitely think that we're going to see bigger ball speeds with this driver compared to their previous uh, years and previous generation driver, which is the Sim 2, which has been a great driver, to be fair. Um but anytime you gain something, like I would have spoken about on the last podcast, you're always going to give something back. And, you know, anytime that you you are redistributing weight and uh, potentially making that weight uh, higher, on, uh, higher on the face or the projection line higher on the face, you're going to increase spin. Um, so it'll be really interesting just to see if they've been able to, to 
keep the the weight distribution uh, even enough so the spin doesn't go up too much with that driver that's going to be my big thing when i'm going to test it i just want to see what the spin rates are like i will imagine the spin rates are going up ever so slightly uh, and i would imagine that the loft would probably be on the strong side uh, with those drivers so if it says 10.5 on the head they're probably going to be closer to 10 uh, and i'm certainly going to measure that and i'll let you all know anyway but alongside the tailor-made products Callaway have got some great products coming out. Uh, I've seen these again and uh, they all look really, really nice. Uh, I don't know much about the performance because we've not been able to hit them uh, when we've been presented to them, uh, when we've been presented this uh, these new products. But again, once they arrive with us, do some really, really good testing and um, maybe we'll do something live uh, and, tr- and try and get something out there so people can ask questions. But um if you do want to keep keep an eye on any podcast releases, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, and maybe we'll do an Instagram live when we're doing some of this testing anyway. There's a couple of products which which are also coming out, which I'm the most excited by. Um, there's Titleist are bringing out the SM9 wedges, which are due out in March. Uh, I'm excited for these number one because I love Vogie wedges, and also for another reason is. We're going to be looking to do some uh, serious personalization on these wedges. We've got a fiber laser coming in. Uh, we've got some some amazing tools which we've invested in uh, and processes, which means that we can do some really, really good wedge art and uh, personalize these wedges. So I'm super excited for these wedges to come in, not just from a performance perspective, but just to really explore what we can do with these wedges. And um, yeah, mega excited and keep an eye out for uh, for some of the results of, of some of this wedge art on our Instagram page because uh, we'll let you know how, it, how it's going. There's another product as well from Titleist which has been spoken about quite a lot uh, in the media and uh, you know you probably would have seen it perhaps on the Titleist website uh, and other various websites talking about it but it's one of their golf balls which is the Pro V1 uh, Left Dot. Now I've ordered these as soon as I had a little sniff that these were uh, these could become available. I wanted to uh, to get these uh, in the shop and use them for fittings. This is to complement the the Pro V1X, the Pro V1X Left Dash, the Pro V1, and the AVX, which is currently Titleist's premium range. And the Pro V1 Left Dot is going to be a brilliant, brilliant addition to that. So to have five options for uh, for your you know, in your premium range, and essentially, you know, they are going to be aimed. Well, they're not aimed at your better player, but they're purchased very much by the better player. Anybody would benefit from playing one of those premium golf balls, but it typically it is your better player that tends to purchase them. But the Pro V One X, uh, Pro V One Left Dot is going to be something which uh, I'm excited testing. A uh, bit of a background on the Left Dot. This essentially is going to offer some uh, lower launch and lower spin characteristics in the long game compared to the Pro V1 whilst maintaining uh, spin around the greens. That's super exciting. So anybody struggling with spin uh, and still doesn't maybe want to go down to an AVX, uh, you know, to lose that greenside spin, this is going to be a great option uh, for those players. For me personally, it's not a golf ball that I need to explore. I'm actually thinking about nudging into the Pro V1X left dash. Um, that offers less spin than uh, the Pro V1X, uh, the Pro V1X, and. For me, because I've gone into the T100S irons, I've definitely seen when I have uh, played. 
that you know with my longer shots and I like hitting you know quite a few knockdown shots um have lacked a little bit of spin uh in the in the long game so I'm thinking about changing up to a Pro V1X left dash and just for everybody to know, when when you see a dot or a dash on uh, on the golf ball, anything to the left hand side of the right end. So what you'll see is if you look at the uh, the dot or the dash on these, uh, the the balls I'm referring to, they're on the left hand side of Pro V One X or Pro V One. Uh, it basically means less. So the Pro V One left dot is basically less spin, less launch than the Pro V One. The Pro V1X left dash is less spin than the Pro V1X. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's quite simple and straightforward. Uh, for me, I'm going to be interested to see what the feel is like with the Pro V1 left dot, because I know the Pro V1 uh, left dash is very, very firm. And that's probably one thing which um, I might struggle with personally, because I don't like a, a firm feeling golf ball around the greens, even though I know the, the benefits of that and how much more spin and control it can give me around the greens. Uh, but that, that might be a bit of a hurdle for me to get into. So I'm either going to... I'll probably end up moving into the Pro V1 left dash, or I'll end up adding a little bit of loft to my irons, maybe half a degree, perhaps a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get out there and play and test all of these products and see, what's, uh, see what performance benefits are on offer. But into the crux of the podcast, I've got some really good questions which a few people have uh, sent through uh, via WhatsApp, actually. And uh, anybody who wants to send a question in, you're more than welcome to. You can send them on direct message on Instagram. I've actually been off Facebook um, because I got hacked on Facebook. So a, a lot of my Facebook stuff is, is all over the place at the moment. Uh, so fingers crossed I'll get back onto that pretty soon. But you can also send me a WhatsApp. If you go onto our website, tofitgolf.co.uk, there's a WhatsApp button on there. You just send us a little question. Say you've listened to the podcast and fire your question in. And I'll make sure that if I don't answer you directly, I will certainly answer uh, your question on the podcast so first question this is by somebody who uh, actually sent us a whatsapp after listening to the podcast which was great Uh, and his question is I got fitted for and ordered a new set of irons Um, uh, I'm still waiting for them because there was an issue uh, with the order but as per the podcast advice I won't have a wedge fitting until the new irons are in the bag but I'm just intrigued to know how much you would be able to modify my current wedges, loft, lie and grind, to save buying new ones right now. The only pointer I got from my fitting was changing to a 50 degree gap wedge from a 52 due to the pitching wedge loft being 45. Now, this is a great, great question and uh, something which... From a fitting standpoint, I get all the time. If somebody comes in for a new set of irons, once you get the iron uh, spec all sorted, essentially they're they're asking about uh, wedge gapping. Now, the first first things first is a a lot of clients will uh, look at the loft on the pitching wedge and what they'll do is they will uh, try and gap their wedges uh, in order based on the loft of the pitching wedge. Now, as, as much as you know, that is not a horrendous way of gapping your wedges. It's certainly not an accurate way of gapping the wedges because often what the challenge is there is when you're looking at your pitching wedge and let's just assume it's 45 as per this question and you're 
gap wedge. Let's just assume it's a Vorky gap wedge. Um, and it's going to be 50 degrees or 52. You're looking at two completely different heads there. One which comes with your set for the pitching wedge. And the other, which is a specific wedge. So there's two completely different heads, which are going to have different launch conditions, different spin characteristics. So the distance that you get from each of those clubs is not necessarily going to match uh, the relative loft uh, that it's it's measured at. So I'm not saying you can throw loft out of the window, but certainly when you're looking at that first wedge from your pitching wedge, uh, it, it often needs to be a little bit closer than perhaps what the gapping is in the other wedges. So for me, as an example, uh, I've got a, well, I did have a T100 pitching wedge until recently. I've gone into the T100S, which I think is 44 degrees. I've also got a 46 degree uh, Vokey wedge as well. So there's two degree gap there, but the gap in distance is, is absolutely perfect for me. Uh, and it's something I'm really happy with. So I'd encourage people to explore that and don't really get tied into the fact that you have to be, uh, you know, have a three or four degree gap between your pitching wedge and next wedge then the next wedge just make sure that the distances uh, that you're getting from those wedges uh, are relevant and the second bit to tag on to that when we're just looking at that gap wedge is before you actually decide what loft that wedge needs to be one of the things which you i would encourage people to explore is let's just say you hit that 45 degree pitching wedge 120 yards my question would be to that client well if you didn't if you had less than 120 yards what would be the lowest yardage you would feel comfortable hitting a pitching wedge so as an example some people just like hitting full wedges and if they had 110 or 100 uh, 105 or even 100 yards they'd want to hit a full shot now if you were fitting a player who likes hitting full shots and is not that confident hitting three quarter shots or you've got another client who's very comfortable hitting uh, three-quarter shots and loves working the way through the wedges, you know, through from a half shot all the way up to a full shot, then you've, you've got two completely different fits there and, you know, lots of different options when it comes to uh, distance control. So for that guy who likes hitting full shots, you probably need to look at having more wedges uh at, at the bottom end of the bag just because there's not that much flexibility around the full distance that he would hit or she would hit uh, with that wedge if you've got somebody who really likes playing around with different length swings going up and down the grip a little bit opening and closing the face whatever method they would use really to control distance then potentially you could go with less wedges and perhaps put another club in at the top end of the bag perhaps an extra two iron a five wood um you know, perhaps uh, even an extra three wood, what, what, whatever it is, a strong three wood, um, just to make sure that, that that set and that set makeup is relevant to that player and suits what that player likes to do on the golf course. So to summarise that, what I would say is if you're going for a fitting and you're curious to see what your gap in should be, then think about the lowest distance that you would be comfortable hitting your pitching wedge so again if it is 100 yards then and your full shot with a pitching wedge is 120 then really the top end of the next wedge below it probably needs to be no more than just over 100 yards just so that you know when you look at the bottom end of your gap wedge 
and the distance that you, you feel comfortable, let's just say that's 80. With those two wedges, then essentially for any, any distance you get between 80 yards and 120, you've got covered. So there's no issues there, regardless of what the yardage is, whether it's 82, 118, whether it's 95, you've got a club and a shot, which is very, very suitable uh, for, for that particular shot. So that that's very, very player dependent and not something that... Um, you know you can you can really do without seeing the player and without fitting that player properly and asking the right question so uh, a very very good question and something that's very relevant and i hope that answers the question and for those who's listening to the podcast uh, i hope that gives you a bit of an insight really into what you should be looking for uh, with that next wedge down i probably did touch on this uh, in the previous uh, podcast which i'd done about wedges um so sorry if I've gone over things twice there, but I just want to make sure that I answer that question. Next question. This is has been submitted by uh, by someone who wants to remain anonymous. Uh, but the question is, uh, I've been uh, recently fitted into a set of irons. And after ordering the irons, I was told that the shafts that I got fitted into were unavailable. The shafts I got fitted into were a Dynamic Gold uh, 105 R300 and the other two shafts which I've been advised by the fitter which are available are a Dynamic Gold 105 S300, so an S-Flex rather than a regular flex, or a Dynamic Gold 95 R300 which is the right flex but 10 grams lighter to what I've been fitted into. What is the closest and what is the best option for me? Now, under normal circumstances, if we rewind the clocks a couple of years ago, uh, number one, we probably wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> um, but but also as well, you know, you'd be you'd be taking those clubs back and saying that they're the wrong flex or the wrong weight, and I want to order the the clubs which I've been fitted to, because regardless of which way you look at this, if you end up going for either of those shafts, then you, you're going to end up with a set of clubs which have got shafts in that you've not tested. Um, and really, I know they're not a million miles off in terms of the the, the shaft options there, but really, you've you know the the, the fitting process that you've gone through, uh, I wouldn't say is a waste of time, but you've not really got uh, what you wanted out of that fitting because you you you've got a different set of clubs. Now, if this is uh, the the only options that you've got. Um, the one thing that I would say is that uh, there is another option. Now, first and foremost, my advice would be to not to go for either of those shafts uh, because you've not tested them, because you don't know how it feels, because you've probably got no numbers on them. And if you did go for one of those shafts, I would really encourage you to make sure you test them thoroughly. You make sure you think about your golf ball and potentially go back to the fitter and make sure you have a refit just to make sure the numbers are correct and using the right golf ball and the loft which you've got on the irons are now relevant to the shafts which you, you've chosen um, as opposed to the, the 105 R300 shafts which you were, you were fitted into. The other option, if you've got the chance, is uh, to maybe go for the Dynamic Gold 105 in S300 but ask for them to be soft stepped. Now a lot of people don't really understand uh, this process and they don't even know that this process is actually available but essentially if you look at any shaft which has got steps in it and uh, this will be steel shafts 
if you look at the first step, so if you work your way up from uh, the ferrule or the bottom of the head and you work your way up, you'll see that the, the first step, let's just say it's 10 inches from the bottom of the head. Now, depending on where that step is, that will essentially dictate the distance. So if you increase the distance between the ferrule or the top of the head and the first step, you will be making the shaft softer. So that would be a soft step. If you make the first step on the shaft a little bit closer to the head, you'll make the shafts a little bit stiffer and that would be called hard stepping. Now, if the only option is a dynamic gold 105 S300 or a dynamic gold 95, uh, it's probably an elevated shaft, I would have thought, um, in R300, then I would seriously encourage you to make sure that you stay in 105, which it ticks the box from a weight perspective. And if you soft step an S300, you will be moving a lot closer to that R300 flex. Uh, and you could even double soft step them. So you could soft step them twice. Uh, you would be you know, pretty much in a regular flex there, even though it might say on the shaft an S300. So that, in my opinion, would be the best way to get cl as close as possible to a dynamic gold uh, 105R300. You're really making an S300 dynamic gold 105 a little bit softer. So you tick the box on weight, you're moving a lot closer to it on flex. And that is without question, if you've got those two options, that's going to be the best option there, uh, moving into a soft step dynamic gold 105 S300. Um, I know a lot of the manufacturers will do this for you. Uh, they will uh, offer a soft or hard step option. Uh, where it becomes difficult is the top and bottom ends of the shaft. So if you've got uh, tapered shafts, as an example, then uh, you know a wedge shaft should go into a wedge and a 9-9 shaft should go into a 9-9 and et cetera, et cetera, all the way through the bags. So if you are hard uh, or if, you, if you're soft stepping, as an example, what you might find is depending on what club that is the longest in your iron set. If it's a five iron, you won't have a problem. But if it's a four or three iron, then you might end up having two of the same shafts at the top end of the bag because, you know, there's only so far they can go by uh, essentially moving a, uh, a nine iron shaft into a pitching wedge and then working working backwards. It probably doesn't make that much sense unless you, you see the build process. Uh, but really what you're doing is you're just moving the shafts one way or the other uh, in the build process, which which means that you you need you need an option either end of the the, the set to make sure that all the shafts are, are equal. So if you've got quite a small set, which is like let's just say nine to uh, five to pitching wedge, it's not going to be a problem. If you've got a full set where you've got three to pitching wedge, either hard stepping or soft stepping, you're probably going to end up with uh, one club at either end of the bag, depending on which way you're moving, uh, where the shafts are going to be the same, and you probably have one stiff. Um, or one stiffer than the other. It's better really if you're hard stepping because you'll end up having the wedges which are a little stiffer, which um, it's not ideal, but I certainly wouldn't want my four or three iron to be a lot stiffer than the rest of them because uh, you know you need that club to launch up in the air, whereas a wedge is, is going to launch up there for you as well. And potentially you could even uh, increase the swing weight a little bit on the shorter clubs, which is just going to help increase the flex a tiny bit as well so i hope that makes sense uh, it's quite a difficult thing to kind of explain uh, on a podcast uh, so anybody that kind of wants um wants me to elaborate on that a little bit more send me a message on instagram and i'll certainly take uh, take a couple of photos for you when i'm uh, 
or even a little video when I'm uh, when I'm building my next set, uh, and I can explain it to you. The next question or the next topic I'm going to talk about actually is is not a question I've had from someone. This is something which I was explaining to uh, a client of mine very recently uh, doing a fit in, and it's all to do with set makeup, and a, a really important one because ego kind of comes into this a little bit and and we're talking now about uh you know clients that are, you know don't just fit players who've got high speeds or fit players who um you know really want to get the, the the best equipment in their bag and and you know leave as many stones unturned as possible and that ends up being a, a lot of players who you know have got slower swing speeds not everybody swings at 120 mile an hour or 105 5 or 10 mile an hour with a driver you know we're, we're talking about players who, who may be um you know a little more mature um a kind of maybe going into graphite from steel i'm really looking to maximize uh, their distance uh, even though their swing speed is probably not getting faster at, at that point in life um so, you know, what I'm really talking about here is I'm talking about uh, a client of mine. I'm not going to mention his name, but um, his driver probably goes 160, 170 yards. And the conversation we had, because he turned up and he had a driver, a three-wood, a five-wood, um, a hybrid, uh, four-iron, right the way through down to down to his pitching wedge and then his other wedges. And he had a full set in the bag. And... Really, when I started analysing how far his clubs were going and asked the question about what does this club do and what do you use this club for, you know, really there were a lot of clubs in his bag which, you know, pretty much went the same distance. And the, the conversation we had is, it, it was along this lines, uh, or along these lines rather, you know, his driver goes 160 yards and his wedge is probably 60 or 70 yards, um, you know, with a, with a decent strike. So from... His shortest club to his longest club, he's got between 90 and 100 yards to fill. Now, it doesn't need 10 clubs to fill that gap there at all. If you're just looking at, at it from a distance perspective, you know, you're probably looking at, at you know, a set of clubs which don't really consist of more than 9 or 10 clubs. And you could probably skip a couple of irons, you could probably stick... Um, you know, three wood, a seven wood, a couple of uh, rescues in there. And, you know, that would fill the gap really, really nicely. And any distances under 160 yards uh, would pretty much have covered with a very, very small selection of clubs compared to what he came in with. Now, where I was, he was happy with that because he didn't have to buy loads of golf clubs and, you know, clubs are not not cheap these days. So that was a, a big positive. However, what I said to him was, you know, don't kind of leave it there. So if we ended up sit, fitting him for uh, a seven to wedge, or I think it was actually a six to wedge, and we missed out the seven iron, um, I fitted him for a driver as well. And we were just going to analyze the gap uh, in between the six iron and uh, the driver when it came back. You know, if it comes to the point where, you know, all the distances are are covered, but there's certain scenarios which you feel like you've not got a club uh, to, to really help you in that scenario, then what we're looking for there is what I call a task-based club. 
So that's not something which uh, you know needs to fill a gap or uh, you know go a certain distance. This is something for a specific lie, a specific situation which doesn't really conform uh, into the rest of the set. So this could be a hybrid. This could be um, you know really high lofted uh, fairway wood. It could be something that you want to use from the rough. It could be something that you want to use. Um, you know, around the green as an example, it could be a lob wedge, it could it could be anything really. But just thinking of tasks then which we could uh we could use clubs for and really help in certain situations because you know the bottom line to it, if you're allowed fourteen clubs in the bag and you've only got nine in there, you've got five other clubs you, you might want to put in there. Now it's probably not necessary to put five extra ones in, but there might be one or two clubs which you can put in there which you know, might serve a real solid purpose on the golf course and really help you in certain situations. And especially for players who are playing, you know, the same course week in, week out, um, which typically is your your standard member uh, of a golf club. Uh, you know, the vast majority of their golf is going to be played on uh, the home course. And you'll probably know some of these situations before, you know, you, you even have to think about them uh, the hard, you know. Um, there, there, might, there might be a you know, a, a situation where you can't quite get it over the rough onto the fairway and you need something just to, you know, get it out to the rough and get it as far down there as possible and perhaps one of your woods doesn't do that job for you and you might want to put a, a rescue club in or w- whatever it is. But hopefully that, that kind of makes sense. Um, it, it's just another way of thinking of, of building the set and, you know... I, I, I wouldn't want anybody just to think that the golf clubs in your bag are to just go a certain distance. There's scenarios where, you know, you really need a club to perform a certain task, which has no relevance to distance. Like if you're plugged in a bunker or you're up against the face of a bunker or if you're in the rough and you're 150 yards away and it's a shot you might encounter often, you know, stick a club in there, which is going to help you. And even if you sacrifice kind of, you know, you pull out a four iron or a three iron or a five iron, whatever it is in your bag, a club you don't use very often, you know, stick something in there which is really going to help and, um, you know, serve a real strong, solid purpose on the golf course. In terms of other questions, I've not got anything else to uh, to add there into this podcast. The only thing I would kindly ask for is if, you, if you've enjoyed some of the information that we've put out, uh, please don't be afraid to ask any questions. Uh, Please, I would love it if you recommend uh, our podcast to a friend uh, and even leave us a review. That would be um, that would be super, super helpful. And hopefully we can uh, we can get more of this information out to, to more people and get lots of questions in and, um, you know, grow the podcast from there. So uh, hope you're all doing great anyway. Uh, enjoy uh, this cold weather in the UK. Hopefully everyone's getting in some uh, some golf uh, even though the weather's gone very, very, uh, very cold over the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying. Uh, get out there playing. And uh, like I say, please send me any questions across uh, if you've got them. Speak to you soon.